So Christmas. How many of you have traditionally enjoyed Christmas this, this season? I'd like to see your hands. If, you, if, if you've liked this, how many of you have memories from when you were a kid of, uh, of just different food, gifts, family, which the gifts of family or the curse of family, or depending on your family, the dysfunction you bring into this world. It's always, it's amazing some of the feelings that are brought up at Christmas. Uh, we call that nostalgia. The smells that you smell, the things that you do over and over. And when you have kids, it brings some of that nostalgia back. But also it's, it's hard at times when you talk about Christmas to some people that have lost loved ones and maybe they're alone. Because this was a time for family, and now there is no family. Before we go into the short reflection on Jesus himself, let's take just a second to remember those families in prayer. Father, there are people that are hurting, and you came for hurting people. Father, may the Spirit of the Lord come close to people that are alone, especially at this time of year. May we, if we see a need, reach out to those people, and may you be glorified through our lives. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Now you know throughout the year has been my tradition, and now it's most fitting at this time of year. So sing with me. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Now, of you of a certain age, you might remember seeing Christian on TV. Now, Christian was born, I believe it was in August of 1969, Maybe even half, maybe more than half of you were alive at that time. I wasn't. <laughs> but as time goes by, these things are, I was alive for a lot of these events. Christian did not have his parents around. And actually, Christian was not adopted like most of the young ones. He was bought. He was bought from a department store called Harrods in London. He was bought by a man named, let me just, John Rendell, and then another guy, Anthony Burke, and they said, we are going to raise you for as long as we can. Now, Christian 
was not a human. Christian was a lion. He was a lion. And you know because within the last five years ago or, or so, they, they've shown the video of the reunion. But for the first year of his life, Christian lived with these merchants, and they actually moved into this, this, uh, this store called the Sophisticat, which is the irony, and, and they raised him in a basement, a lion. We're not talking a, a kitty cat, a lion. And finally, they're, they're like, what are we going to do with this lion? So they asked the local vicar of a Moravian uh, monastery, they said, can we, can we use some of your yard just to play with this lion? Well, yeah, bring a, a lion into our yard. Sure, bring him. So, so they took him to the graveyard where people are already dead. <laughs> like, we're not killing any other people. And they played with, they let the lion run around. They throw a soccer ball to the lion. I mean, you, you see pictures of this, if you look online, of them raising a lion. Until about a year old, like, we do not have enough money to feed this lion. I mean, it's like feeding Alex Leonor. You know? <laughs> There's not enough money in the world! And they said, we don't have enough space. He needs to go back home. So they worked out the arrangements for him to go back to Africa. And a year later, it was arranged, and they had it videotaped. They, they said, we would like this to be a special show. We have arranged where there will be a reunion, because the two guys wanted to see their baby lion, who is not quite a baby anymore. And they wanted to get this on film. No matter what the lion did, they were going to get it on film. And if you've seen the video from 1971 that the two guys with their shaggy long hair are standing over here, and then on the other side, coming down from this little rock, is this lion timidly coming toward them, who is now a leader of its own pride, and had a couple of lionesses there. And they stood there, waiting for a lion to come to them. And it comes up, and you know the video. It comes up, and it runs up, and it lunges at them. But they, it's like rubbing its head on their head. And it stands up on two legs, and they're like petting it. And it's a crazy, crazy video of these two guys, like the lion going back and forth. And they're petting a lion. One of the strongest beasts out there that would take seconds in killing these two guys was a baby, was tame. Actually, if you find out, if you read more about it, even the lionesses followed suit, and they accepted the guys too. They were just hugging on a lion. 
It was super tame. What we call, I don't think, under, I think it's not right, the king of the jungle, because I don't think they live in jungles, is a lion who was super tame. So in this season, we sing about a baby. I have no notes up here. We're just going to go through scripture. Just a couple of texts. And actually, after Jesus was a baby, he makes a statement in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, 28 and 29. I will give you a second to go there if you'd like. On your phones and on your tablets. And he says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, come to me if you are just tired of carrying all this. Because I am meek and lowly. It almost doesn't make sense. Let me carry your burden because I am weak. But you look, and you knew I was going to do original language. And you look at what the word translated meek is. Here it's called lowly, or in this one it's called gentle or humble in heart, and there there are synonyms there. And the word that is translated meek in the New Testament is prautes. Now I'm going to read from a scholar who talks about prautes. And he says, prautes is the patient and hopeful endurance of undesirable circumstances identifies the person as externally vulnerable and weak, but inwardly resilient and strong. Meekness does not identify the weak, but more precisely, the strong who have been placed in a position of weakness where they preserve without giving up. The use of the Greek word when applied to animals is clear. For it means tame when applied to wild animals. It means tame. In other words, such animals have not lost their strength, but have learned to control their instincts that prevent them from living in harmony with others. Jesus voluntarily became tame. Now, I don't think we understand the power in Jesus. The God of the universe that spoke things into existence is power. He sneezes the wrong way and our galaxy is gone. There is power 
in Jesus. Yet he tames himself to be one of us. The way that spirit of prophecy says he hung up his divinity. He became powerless so that we can have life eternal. Actually, this statement where he says, I am humble and gentle of heart or meek and lowly, sort of mirrors what we find in Numbers chapter 12 about another guy. There's another guy, his name was Moses. And Moses, as he's taking people through the wilderness, says this about himself. Now, some people don't know if this was added later or if he wrote this about himself. It sounds pretty, you know. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now, to me, when I read that in 21st century, that sounds pretty arrogant, doesn't it? Pastor Rufo is the humblest man on earth. So humble that he'll let you know how humble he is. But if you understand what the Hebrew word for meek is, it is anav. Can you say anav? Anav. And anav meant poor. Could not provide for himself. Actually, the word was used for the people. You know, back in Old Testament times, if you were a landowner, that you had a, a farm and, and you would uh, glean from their land, you were not allowed to take from the corners. You had to go in a circular motion. You had to leave the corners there. And who were the corners for? The poor. Hence the story of Ruth and Boaz. And so what this word anav really meant is the one who has the right to the corners. That's what it really means. What Moses is saying is, God chose me and I'm nothing. I have nothing to offer. I have nothing of myself. I am emptied of everything. All I have is the right to the corner. And God blesses me. So we come to the baby. And if you go to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 8, we have a story about a baby. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will see a king on a throne. Is that what it says? You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. A baby. We sing every year about a baby. We praise the Lord because of a baby. We have nostalgic feelings because of a baby. Now, I don't know how many of you have taken care of babies, but babies can't feed themselves. They can't wipe themselves, to my disdain. (laughs) They cannot walk. They cannot communicate via wah to my disdain. They can't even hold their neck up. I remember when Madison, you know, I try not to tell too many stories. You know, I try to not to tell embarrassing stories of my family. But you have to as a pastor. I mean, it's just, it's part of my seminary training. And I remember when Madison was born. It was on a Sabbath. And it was 7 a.m., right? It was 7 a.m., so I did not preach. I was scheduled to, to, to take care... No, I was scheduled to take care of the youth stuff. I, I don't think I was scheduled to preach, but uh, some youth functions. And, and we have Madison. I mean, she had Madison. I was there. <laughs> um, and I took Madison and held her, and I was sitting in a chair... And I didn't know what I was doing. And Anna sort of gets nauseous with any kind of medication. So she's like, I'm not feeling good. And I said, I am not getting up because I don't know what to do with this thing. And so I stayed there. And luckily, one of our friends came and held a bucket there. And there you know the rest. But so fragile. So small, you know. And so, for those first couple of days, Madison, uh, we actually had planned that Anna would breastfeed. And, and somebody in, tried to instruct Anna how to do this. But Madison wouldn't latch on. And so for the first 24 hours, we were a little bit nervous because she hadn't eaten anything. And so that was Sabbath morning, you know, all the way till Sunday morning. Sunday all day, she would not latch on. So somebody said, well, why don't you try? And they, you know, if you've breastfed or whatever, they say, don't use the nipple, the, the bottle. Because if you use the bottle... 
They'll want the bottle. So don't do it. And so not going to do it. And finally on Monday, somebody said, you got to do it. The, the kid has to eat. And I'm like, okay, we'll try. Well, she would not take that either. So in tears, as I am talking to Anna, she said, what are we going to do? She hasn't eaten for two and a half days. She has nothing. And so we finally went to a friend who is a, uh, who works in a pediatric um, ICU, and she said, come to my hospital. We'll talk to the lactation consultant. So we did. And they tried everything, and finally they said, this is sort of our last resort, because it can sort of tear up the mouth if you don't do it right. They gave us a syringe, and there was a little plastic tube that would go with it, and they said, you put the tube right here, and you feed her sucking on your finger. And you push little by little, and it was like five cc's, and you do that every meal. And she's just gonna have to take formula. So, do that little by little. So every morning at 5.30 in the morning when I would wake up, I would get Madison and I would feed her like this. And she would just, little by little, just little, she could do nothing on her own. She was so vulnerable and I would feed her every morning. It took months of doing that till eventually she started taking the, the actual bottle. How vulnerable is a baby? Jesus did not come as an adult. He was the most vulnerable of vulnerables. No matter the risk, he was coming as a baby. And this baby is what's talked about in what was read earlier in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 says this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a child is given, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. A baby. All of our future existence is risked on a baby. Because this baby, this God who is the God of the universe, decided to become tame by choice. 
to become, to become the, the one who has right to the corner by choice. And there was risk in that. There is risk of failure. He hung up his divinity as a baby so that we can have eternal life forever.